No chance. All right. And take one, episode 84. 85. Take two, (laughs) episode 85. What's up, everybody? Episode 85 of the No Chance Radio Show. As always, your hosts, Ryan and Nate and Mel. There's too many episodes for you guys. Like in terms of you listeners, I feel like we're blessing you with with too many gems on a week weekly basis. Um, we we're just talking about potentially doing like a bi-weekly podcast and it just instead. Um, for some reason, I just feel as if like we all talk too much. I feel like That's I wonder true. if the listeners think that too. It's like, damn, I I, I try trying to catch up. Like another episode. Like, are you kidding me? It's like they're trying to. It's like when you try to binge a show and then yeah. you just can't catch up because like the new <laughs> season is out. I can only imagine like somebody just discovering us and and seeing like episode eighty five. Fuck! Like, <laughs> what if there's a a, a, a timeline and storylines that I have to get familiar with? Like, I gotta go all the way back to the very beginning. I feel like that's that's annoying. I'd be annoyed for sure. Maybe we take take out the numbers in our, in our episodes, and we just give them titles. Maybe. That way, people don't feel intimidated to, to want to listen. That's to true. Other episodes. Well, if you are listening to episode eighty five and you've gotten all the way to this point, welcome to uh, your weekly episode. We appreciate you guys listening. Damn, we appreciate all our listeners for for fucking with us on a weekly basis. We do our best to be consistent. I think that's one of the things that's always taken us over the top in terms of seeing actual results because as they say something about consistency does the body good. <laughs> there's a good i'm pretty sure really, that's not how it goes there's a really i was trying to say like some really cheesy phrase that involved word consistency consistency is key that one all right that works too <laughs> thank you mel uh this episode is going to be very very different we're going to be covering a l- bunch of random topics basically an entire episode of shooting the shit I feel like we do best when we, when the, when the streetwear world gives us a, a ton of things to talk about. You know what's funny is like sometimes I feel like the beginning part of the episode where we just like talk about random topics is better than the like sometimes, actual topic. Sometimes, that we talk yeah. About. Somehow, in some way, we loop it all back to like some <laughs> golden nugget at the end of every episode that made no sense to the major topic that we were discussing. But to be honest, I do love to shoot the shit topics. But let's get into the first one. Actually, we have a, a couple of them that are actually really, really good. There's a lot of shit going on in the streetwear world. This, I mean, all of this sort of came up within the last two days. <laughs> within the last two hours. <laughs> within the last two hours. So, God, thank you guys for blessing us with some content. All right. First ones, first, APC labels uh, their new recycling program in the name of sustainability, basically saying, if you own old APC shit and you're tired of it, bring it by our store and you get some sort of store credit, discounts, whatever. I mean, we're just coming off of Earth Day. We talked about it in the previous episode. How do we feel about this recycling program? Is this something that other stores should take on? Does it benefit this or is, are there disadvantages? What potentially is a, is a win or lose in this? I mean, I think it's a, I think it's a good idea. Sustainability wise. Yes. It's good. I mean, I feel like jeans in general are very heavy on pollutants. Like you have to, there's all this like dying and like bleaching and all these like chemicals that you have to use. Not even talking like, about the manufacturing yeah, aspect like, of it there too. There are all these things that go into making a pair of jeans. And I think that, uh, recycling, upcycling is a good move, especially for su- like such a heavyweight denim retailer like APC. Like it makes sense, but I think business-wise, I don't know if it's necessarily going to hurt them by you know handing out like discounts or like store credit for like. I'm curious to what it is. Yeah, like specifically, like what how it is. much am I going to get? And I think what they had mentioned is it depending on the piece, yeah, the clothing item. Uh, I'm sure the uh, the benefits will, I mean, rain higher. Do, doesn't another like denim brand already do something like that? I feel like, or like they do, like repairs or like hmm. they do like repairs, but they kind of tout it as like customization. Like 
you can repair, you can have your jeans repaired, but also like kind of customized to you. You oh, know what no I'm saying? Any off the top of my head. I thought I saw that somewhere. I don't Patagonia, know. Patagonia, you can, they can repair your old like jacket, but that's really, really? good. That's good to know. Yeah. It's like a lifetime guarantee. With jackets. Mm-hmm. Or any type of Patagonia product. You bring it into anywhere and they can fix it for you if it's broken to avoid you from buying a new jacket. Wow. Okay. Mm-hmm. Okay. That kind of makes me think of that brand Tom's. I think one of like they were one of the first um, companies that had like their business model was based around this idea of shoe for shoe. I mean, in terms of maybe not in the in the world of sustainability, but in giving back in some way, shape, or form. Because it, I think in the article that I had read about the APC recycling program, one of the added additional benefits to, as you said, Nate, upcycling. And having people bring in old clothes is that it also gives not only an opportunity to recycle that material into whatever products they release in the future, but also to provide those items or clothing pieces to people who can't afford APC or high fashion. Um, Who knows what APC does with the old stuff? I mean, they could start their own little Goodwill version of APC or maybe like some sort of archive sale of secondhand good i don't know there's so many potential ideas that you could do with everyone's old apc shit i know i'm gonna bring my shit by there i don't know how much i'm gonna get from my trash but i think it's a good idea i think a lot of i i think that a lot of stores should take on this this business model yet i feel like people would definitely abuse it yeah i agree it's definitely a possibility i think um the only downfall would be the discount because you know us as a consumer apc is pretty high priced so i'm pretty sure they're not going to give you like the same amount back or like equal value back for what that you give in so it might like people might get mad about like how low the price will be like when they've given their old stuff like fucking gamestop business model of i buy this game for 60 dollars and i trade it in and i get like Four ninety nine. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like that. Like, you know, people don't like that shit. You know, same with, you know, Crossroads. Yeah. There's always like a percent back that they take. So that might be a uh, like a downfall to the model. But again, like it's for a good cause. So hopefully there won't be any backlash from it. I don't think there will be. But I, I definitely see how, I mean, as anybody does in, in, in most in most consumers that we know do, anytime there's you know, the, the gates is open a little bit in terms of an opportunity to make uh, make some sort of killing in, in regards to not having to spend as much. People are going to abuse the shit out of that. We do it with employee discounts. We do it with coupon codes, literally everything that you can imagine. So I would only think that normal human beings. Yo, those extreme couponers are going to be all over that. Right? <laughs> <laughs> They're literally going to just go to just go to Grailed. Sort it by lowest, lowest to highest price. in price. <laughs> I mean, I do everything. that already. <laughs> Purchase everything they can get and bring it right to the APC store. And that's their new business model. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right. Next topic, which I think is a very interesting one. And Nate, you had brought this up previously. And actually, I'm a subscriber to the Uniqlo emailing list. So I see when all the releases come out. Not that they're like anything to be hyped (laughs) over anything but i do care when they do have sales because i do live close to one but star wars and i think marvel comics just or uniqlo actually released their newest ut shirt line with marvel comics and star wars i think they have done graphic t-shirts for the both of them before yeah if i remember yeah they've done tons of graphic t-shirts for both marvel and Basically everybody, like they do fucking collaborations yes, with everybody. They definitely do. But uh, yeah, they've done Star Wars and Marvel before. Artists of of all sorts, the the biggest names in the in the the art world. But usually the UT collection is something that's curated, you know, fairly well by. I think Nigo is the one that heads that. So everything they put out, I mean, you could literally go into Uniqlo and look at that UT T-shirt collection, and not for one second be like, no, I don't like that. Like. It, it's it's within the realm of something that you could potentially like. Nothing is like ugly. Yeah, that's true. It's yeah. not you know like I mean? like it's not for me, but it's it's not bad. That's that yeah. that's yeah. That's definitely how I would explain to somebody. Like it's like it's you wouldn't like, mind copying it. Yeah, yeah like if yeah. somebody gave it to you and was like, "Hey, this is free," you'd be like, 
I'll wear this at some Sick. point. Yeah. <laughs> like, I'll, okay, wear this I'll probably only get like four wears out of it, yeah. but I could wear this. I think the great thing about the UT collection is that it exposes people um, just to shit that they would have never formally known about, you know, whether it's artists, whether it's um, they do a lot of stuff with like random, like random American companies, even though it's not a pure collaboration with them, but a lot of the iconography that they use is very like human made aesthetic. Yeah. If you really look so. at it, um, obviously being backed by, by Nego, but how do you feel obviously with the two movies, Avengers and star Wars coming out? How do you feel about um, just what they've been doing in regards to Uniqlo in this collection? I know it's the, what what they they literally assembled the Avengers of the Japanese designer yeah, industry seriously. of like uh, <laughs> fucking I'm gonna pronounce his name and butcher it uh, Jun Takahashi and yeah. I don't I forget the the W taps uh, double taps guy Tetsu Nishiyama there you go yeah. and Nigo and Nigo of course how do you guys feel about that um, I looked I actually saw the collection and I looked at the entirety of it because it came out I think it came out yesterday didn't it or something like that something like within like, the past day or yeah, so yeah within the past day or so um, and I saw previews of it and to be honest like I thought it was cool but I was like I was kind of underwhelmed by it like you said it was one of those collections that's like oh that's cool like I would wear if it was free most Uniqlo collections yeah <laughs> um, I think if you're going to attach, like, the names, like, Nigo and Jun Takahashi and Tetsu Nishiyama, like, yeah. to me, maybe not to the average, like, Uniqlo consumer, but to me, that's like, oh, shit, like, this is going to be sick. What like, were you expecting, though? Like, once you heard the names, was it like, okay, so when you saw the clothing and then you saw the names, was it like, that makes sense? Or was it you saw the names and then when you saw the clothing, you were like, this could have been better? Um, uh, I th like which came first? I think initially the first one. I saw the names and I was like, okay, this is gonna be cool. Okay, like I had high expectations because, like, of course, Nigo, legendary. Yeah, like, yeah, one of the Godfathers of streetwear and fucking Jun Takahashi, like undercover. Yes, super good at graphics. Mm -hmm. Like every graphics T-shirt they do is fucking amazing. And then of course, like double taps. It's, it has its own aesthetic. Yeah, right? And, you know, maybe that was just me being naive and thinking that, okay, it's going to look like human-made. Okay, <laughs> it's going to look like undercover. Yeah, like people okay. are going to be lining up for this. Yeah, <laughs> maybe that was just me being naive and not really thinking about it, but I get it. Like, I had a conversation about this with somebody else, and I was like, yeah, it, it, at the end of the day, it's it's Uniqlo, you know? Mm. Like, it's, it's not, they're not going to, you know put human maids aesthetic first before Uniqlo's aesthetic, you know? Yeah. Um, so I, I didn't mind it, but I was just kind of underwhelmed. I like the artwork in that they actually used a lot of original like concept artwork from uh, like Star Wars, which was really cool because yeah. I'm like a huge Star Wars fan. But other than that, it was kind of like, I know they would, you know yeah. what I mean? Like the, the aesthetic of all three characters and not Star Wars characters, but of the, the three Japanese designers is obviously one, a lot of what they pull from is, you know, traditional American aesthetic. So if, if these two, which is, you know, superheroes and comic books and Star Wars, that's like, there's so much history built around it. And from what year do they come from? Like the 60s, damn Like near? 60s, 70s, yeah. Yeah, so it's like there's so many different renditions of how things could look, but I'm, I'm really happy that they decided to go all the way back, as you mentioned, to yep. the very beginning of what these things look like. And the way that they did it is different than any other like Star Wars shirt that you've ever seen. That's true. That's very and true. That's one of the things that really that I really attach to because to see a Star Wars shirt just have literally a Yoda saying on it and nothing else. And I think Yoda was on the back, no? Yeah, it's like uh, when he was like when Luke was carrying Yoda. In mm -hmm. the little fucking backpack. It says, like, try something. I don't know what the fucking line yeah. was. That's, vi not. that's a vi yeah. There's no try. Yeah, there it is. It was, say it one more time. Do or do not. There is no try. I think that's what the, the You got to say it in says. the voice, though. <laughs> <laughs> I think that is what it says in the front. Yeah. And I, and I like that a lot because it takes, it takes somebody who appreciates American culture, who appreciates what these movies are to 
a large audience to do it that way. Mm-hmm. You know, I feel like if it was, you know, just a, another, you know, designer or anybody else that maybe even from America, maybe specifically from America, it would be very obvious, you know? Yeah. yeah. But in this way, the way that they approached it, it was very much like this is this is unlike any way I've ever seen like a Star Wars graphic t-shirt yeah Yeah, that t-shirt in particular was very that was very like jun takahashi like undercover like i saw the text on the front i was like okay i already know out of the three i already know who like designed this one um which you know i think i think that one was really cool and there's a couple there's one ego one that i really liked but the one the ones that i actually really liked the most were uh like the Nishiyama ones like mm. those are pretty sick uh they were pretty far left of like what double taps yeah usually, i mean in star wars like <laughs> yeah, double taps yeah, yeah, and star wars are completely but i like how you mentioned how when it comes to these like obviously when these three dudes assemble to you know be in charge of this collection collect the fucking infinity right? stones yeah. <laughs> <laughs> of japanese streetwear <laughs> street infinity stones it is a, a, a very peculiar thing to think of them putting the Uniqlo customer first. Mm. There's something about that that's very particular or peculiar to say that, you know, as collaborators, as people who have literally made some of the best designs, the best collaborations, um, it's probably the most legendary designs in the streetwear game to think of that particular consumer, f- consumer first, not the Star Wars fan, but the, the Uniqlo c- customer. How does that sort of relate to, you know, or how does that sort of contrast from how they would approach more of like a, a streetwear centric collaboration? Um, I think that in terms of working with Uniqlo, obviously like Nigo who's I mean, Nigo's at the forefront of that Nigo. because he's Nigo and yeah. he has a huge hand in uh, Uniqlo. But uh, I think a lot of people like the average consumer still doesn't understand understand what streetwear is, mm. you know? So I think if you're going to make this capsule collection, whatever you want to call it, if you're going to make it streetwear tinged, then yeah. it might not hit all those marks that you're trying to hit uh, with the average person. Of course, there are people like us that'll be, that'll be like, this is fucking sick. Yeah. Like yeah. Uniqlo, like streetwear, like Nico, like all the shit's that, like it's sick. Like you don't, you never see that with a big, retailer like that do you think it waters it down to have a house like uniqlo and then to have three large very large streetwear names do you think uniqlo waters that collaboration down or or waters that partnership down or does it in in any way elevate what they actually do i think it waters it down just because Uniqlo is becoming more household, it's becoming more, I guess, American known. Mm. It is a Japanese-based brand too, so probably in Japan people are freaking out more just because it's everything that you can get in Japan, but now you can get it in the states, so it's it's really cool. But I mean, look at the cause collabs with Uniqlo; those are pretty watered down too. Like they were hyped, but they're very like they're very for everyone, you know. And this Star Wars collab it's meant for everyone too so it makes sense to the average people but yeah for us like who are super into all of these like these three brands it you don't see those brands kind of popping out in the in the graphics but i don't think they wanted it to be like that because how like how do you combine all those brands like with star wars so yeah if it was maybe without star wars and just them on their own we would want like we would it would Ooh, be cooler. i don't know i don't know I don't think that if there was a Uniqlo and let's say undercover or Uniqlo and and double taps versus like Uniqlo and cause, I don't think people would be going as crazy if if the latter or if the former was a thing. You know what I mean? The undercovers collabed with Uniqlo before, like was in the, it like in the very 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 early beginnings? Okay, maybe Uniqlo. maybe maybe then that the infancy of it is. Yeah is plays into it but i don't think if that happened today it wouldn't go bananas like it did for the cause thing i mean i think people just aren't as familiarized with japanese designers yeah Yeah. or brands i think or i think just like you know most streetwear high fashion designers in general like yeah you know that J.W. Anderson collab yeah. that Uniqlo did, yeah, sat. like <laughs> sat, like went on sale immediately, and then that one they did for Fall Winter, it sold kind of well, but 
I mean, shit went on sale. And, like, you know, to what Mel was saying earlier, like, the Uniqlo Cause collab, they were, like, I remember at one point I walked in there and they had a sign up that says, if you spend this much money, we'll give you a free, like, Snoopy plush. Yeah, right. (laughs) trying to get rid of those Snoopy dolls. And I remember, like, just being so excited when that first Cause Uniqlo collection, like, was a thing. And literally buying one of everything i remember when it came out yeah but that's because cause is such a it's such an integral name in american streetwear that like that collaboration makes sense to be over here people in japan like you said are probably really buying up this star wars you know marvel shit to be honest like it's probably be like a real thing out there but for us over here it's like probably not it's just overlooked I, I feel if you walk into that Uniqlo store, it's probably overlooked. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I think the thing that differentiates, you know, the Nigo Juntakashi collab as opposed to like a cause collab is that, you know, Cause's artwork is like original. It's not like, mm. you know, like Nigo and, you know, those three are just reinterpreting artwork. Mm. They're not necessarily reinventing the wheel, whereas Cause, his artwork's a little bit, his artwork is if you want to call it a little bit more original, yeah, like, you know, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Sesame Street, I know I got, yeah. <laughs> you know, I got, I got flack for like talking, quote unquote, talking shit about the cause, like cause collab. I remember that. That, that, that was that a, that was a, a while back. I yeah. think around the, the first collaboration, dude, people um, were hating on me for you that. Received shit. a lot of shit yeah. because <laughs> you don't think, I, okay, let me not misquote you, but you had mentioned qu- cause is not original. I just wasn't, no, I didn't say that. I just said I wasn't <laughs> impressed. Clear it up. Clear it up. For I the said people. I wasn't impressed by it. Okay. That's Which fair, is fair, right? Yeah. That's yeah, fair. That's, that's, fair a, that's an honest opinion. Yeah. I don't think, like I wasn't the biggest fan of the Sesame Street stuff. I didn't buy any of the Sesame Street stuff. Well, that's because I spent so much money on the first collection and knowing that the quality of Uniqlo was like trash, <laughs> I knew not to buy any of the Sesame stuff. Um, but I think that's a good that's a good uh, conversation. I think just because the familiar the familiarity between the designers and the artists of whether it's American streetwear versus Japanese streetwear still is something that people are are trying to discover, right? Like, not all of them are in the limelight on social media. Like, more people know a Verdi who's been in the streetwear game for about a year and a half. I mean, to us, to the general consumer, versus somebody like a Jun Takahashi who's been in it for. Like almost 20 plus Forever, years. Yeah. You know what I mean? So I think it, it is a different time in which you really have to do your research and see like, okay, Nigo recruited these people. He assembled these people. Who are they? What significance do they play in the construction of this collection? And why should I care about it? And that's one of the things that I wish Uniqlo did was provide that context. Other, I mean, they provided the names, which is important. I mean, they should, because why not? But I think providing that context to the general consumer, even like the general fashion person who doesn't delve into the world of Japanese streetwear to be like, oh, like, I think I know where that guy is from. And then sort of start the discovery process from there. Yeah. Uh, I think that typically plays a large role into why certain things sell out. And you look at things like Nike when they do collaborations, we may not know who that particular person is and why they even have a fucking collaboration. But when they provide an entire marketing plan around that person's artwork, around that person's lifestyle with videos and fucking everything, and then you're like, okay, I kind of fuck with that a little bit more because now I know that person, I have a greater investment in that person, and I feel like I've been buying that person shit for years when I just now discovered them. Yep. And I think that that is something that, that Uniqlo could add on to this, but that's never been Uniqlo's strong suit. Yeah, yeah. that's a really good point, actually. I never looked at it like that in terms of introducing streetwear to a whole new audience by, you know, letting these designers kind of uh, create their own takes on Star Wars. So maybe I it's think the, that's maybe like, cool. It's, it's just them playing the background. And maybe yeah. that's just how they are. Um, at least understanding Japanese culture, they are very, not to use passive as a very negative term, but just very like, Wanting to be in the background, letting the work sort of show it. Damn, our Japanese you know I mean? listeners are gonna give you all kinds of shit for me, that man. one. I said, from my understanding of <laughs> Japanese culture, which is zero. <laughs> all right, next, next topic, next topic, next topic. Uh, this was a, speaking of Japanese. <laughs> um, is the Shiba dog Japanese? 
Yes. I mean, yeah. yeah. Okay, let's talk about that. Right, let's not assume. Okay. It's um, a Japanese breed of dog. So. Hey Siri, what is the Shiba? Do- <laughs> what origin does the Shiba dog come from? All right, let's talk about the Nike Shiba dog. Um, <laughs> what's the What's the official handle for this dog? Uh, menswear dog. At menswear at dog. Menswear dog. Yeah. And what's the fascination? Can somebody provide me the context of why this is a thing? Somebody, somebody, break it down. Uh, Nate. Uh, okay, so I've been following menswear dog since. I think like first started Instagram and I randomly fe- uh, like happened upon his profile. I forget his name starts with B, but Bodhi? Uh, yeah, Bodhi. But um, basically it's this dog and his owners dress him up in menswear, but now they're kind of like moving into streetwear and I shit like that. <laughs> <laughs> like, go ahead, go ahead. And um, yeah, it just became like this like social media, like phenomenon. Like, Oh, there's this like every, you know, we're from the Bay Area. Like, everybody and their mom has a fucking Shiba Inu. This is true. Yeah. This is true. It's like, oh, yeah, let's walk the Shiba Inu. Let's get fucking boba. <laughs> like, that's the fucking thing out here. Show it off. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Um, but it just became, like, a thing. And um, he, like, they started getting approached by, like, different brands to do, like, partnerships, to do, like, paid promotions. And uh, I, I read an article in a magazine, and they interviewed... Uh, Bodhi's owners and they kind of reveal that they make like six figures like every month just Jeez. based on Man. the paid promotions that this this dog mind you uh this that this dog does so Jeez. yeah so essentially menswear dog is he's the ultimate influencer ultimate canine influencer yes yeah. amazing that's the first i've ever well, i know dogs have their own specific instagram pages there's this famous person's dog follow this dog whatever but this almost reminds me of the uh the ai influencer michaela yeah uh, same shit that literally reminds you of the same thing because i don't think that dog wants to be fitted you know what i mean i don't think this <laughs> dog wants to be in human clothes i wonder what sizes that dog wears it's it's funny because like a lot of brands will make custom clothing. No way. Just to do it like obviously like if they're doing a pay promotion, like they the clothes have to look somewhat decent on this dog. Wow. So they they do like custom fittings and like custom clothing for this dog. I'm probably like hundred percent sure that this dog dresses better than me. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> I can I agree. <laughs> Damn it, I quit. <laughs> but I guess the most recent news about at menswear dog, aka Bodhi the Shiba, yeah. right? <laughs> is that Nike just recently released or is going to release on the horizon a collection based around this particular dog? I think it's just two t shirts with him as a graphic on the front. Yeah, so yeah. far right? on Atmos. Uh, so only on Atmos, right? So far. So far. Um, kind of makes sense. Japanese dog, Japanese. Uh, yeah, go ahead. Speak more retailer. about the Japanese. Um, <laughs> makes makes sense. Very, very. Uh, it's probably a tier zero release too. <laughs> but okay, how do how do we feel about? I mean, we've seen across all of the different brands, Adidas, uh, Puma, Nike, influencer releases of all sorts. People that oh, that makes sense. This dog in this case doesn't make sense to me, but there's a lot of influencers in, in who are, would you consider Instagrammers, whatever, are now getting these collaborations. Who deserves a collaboration? Who doesn't nowadays? Does there have to be some sort of impact? Does, do they have to be doing something positive for their community? Like, what's the criteria? Like, what you don't even have to be human anymore. For real. <laughs> for real. Like, where's ours? What are we doing? Yeah. You know? But, like, seriously, what, what are the. The logistics for collaborations nowadays is it what's ever whatever is hot in the moment let's capitalize off that or what is it i mean that's always a given and probably for influencers like how much people you can reach in one post how many followers does this dog have uh i would say like several hundred thousand if it's in the millions i quit let's see i'm gonna buy shiba it's <laughs> fucking insane Men's wear dog. He has 368k. Is that a lot nowadays? That's a lot. A lot more than us. Yeah, that's a lot. That's like a an entire country. That's like a. Imagine what country? (laughs) 368,000. That's a country. Okay, like a small country. Small impoverished country. (laughs) (laughs) 
but let me yeah but literally like imagine that man like you don't even really have to do much to get a collaboration with Nike nowadays. Okay, so remember, like in in like back in the days, golden age of streetwear, collaboration comes few and far in between. It meant so much back then to have a collaboration with Nike. It meant so much to see yourself with the shoe. I think, I think uh, Vashti when she had uh, her f- the f- the first female to collaborate with Jordan Brand for a shoe. Back in, I want to say like 2011, 2012, like the next one after that probably wasn't like the first notable one after that probably wasn't until like a Lely May. Right. And that's wasn't until like last year. So these collaborations aren't given out to everyone. They're special. They're highly regarded. They're. Typically, collaborations within Nike are the best releases of the year, the best silhouette, the newest model, whatever. How the fuck does this dog get a collaboration? What is it about this dog that you would give him a collaboration, like, other than him having a following the size of a small, impoverished country? (laughs) (laughs) I just imagine, like, all of like one country's like population just following him, and that's like all his followers. <laughs> Imagine like, you go to a country and they praise Bodhi the Shiva. <laughs> He's like the supreme ruler. Jesus Christ. No, we are not drunk this episode. No, but seriously, the, the question still stands: yeah. What if you were a brand? What makes you want to approach this dog as fitting? Uh, okay, say as an athleisure brand, what makes you want to attract attach to this dog? <laughs> For me, it doesn't really make sense other than the fact that, like you said, he does have a small, impoverished country <laughs> following, following him. Yeah. Following him. <laughs> um, you know, I, I think, you know, in terms of that, it makes sense, but I just don't see how this fits in with Nike's other collaboration. I get it. Like, Nike does playful collaborations or playful things all the time, like the totally unrelated, but Walk the Dog, like 420. Like, mm. they do 420 releases all the time, and that's like, you know, that has nothing to do with, like, the innovation of sport and shit like that. True. You know what I'm saying? Okay, like, makes yeah. sense. I think that does make sense. Like, there there have been collaborations with certain people, and um, if I can think of, of somebody who didn't make sense to have a Nike collaboration. God, we used to work there. We should know this. Yeah, <laughs> right? There was there were so many at the time. Or at least... No. I can't think. Of <laughs> I really can't think of any. The Shiba the dog one is really like this is strike one. It's Nike. really yeah. confusing me. Yeah, I can't think of any. Like obviously, there's there's collaborations that we may not have known of in, when it, when it first came around. Like um, let's use like Nike and uh, Yakuso, right? Like when we first got introduced to Nike and we first saw that, we were like, what the hell is that? Yeah, that's yeah. true. Without context, yeah, it's like, there was uh, no context, yeah. right? Then doing a little bit more research, we understand. That actually, I still don't know who the fuck they are, but <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> but they are somewhat involved with running. They're they're like a running club. They're it's founded by Jun Takahashi, undercover. It means running. Yakusu means run it in reverse. Because in God, did, did you keep learn going, anything at work? Just keep going. The, the did fans you not uh, learn anything. The listeners and like the, the five years that it. we work there. No. Jesus. <laughs> Please uh, explain. It means. Run in reverse because in Japan they don't run clockwise; they run cl- counterclockwise. So they run backwards. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The way this that- is a very like so Japanese nice. tinged episode. Not that that's a bad thing. <laughs> Shout out to Japan. We love you guys. I'm the, I'm the only one that's been there. Okay, I know the culture. All right. Shout out Do to our Japanese know? listeners. I love you guys. <laughs> but it, no, but still, like, okay, Mel. If you had an, an athleisure company that amasses billions of dollars and, you, and you're at the drawing table and you're like, all right, guys, we got to figure out our newest sportswear collaboration. Shoot me some ideas. And somebody says, Sheba the dog <laughs> at menswear dog. What do you say to that? I would just ask why. At first. <laughs> of course it's why. It's not the first Oh, not even a person. That's it's not, <laughs> it's is this the, the first, first animal collaboration that Nike has ever done? I think so. 
Wow, this is the first. Yo, Shamu's still alive. Shamu's not a nice <laughs> collaborate. <laughs> Nobody wants to collaborate with Shamu. Damn. What would you even do with Shamu? Fucking swimwear, duh. Oh, yeah, you're right. <laughs> you're right. All right, I can't, right. I can't stand you. Who's going to model the Shamu Yo, stuff? Yo, Nike, cut me a check. <laughs> All right, cool, cool. We'll keep that one. I'm actually going to delete that part of the episode <laughs> so we can keep that for ourselves. Um, but, I mean, it does bring up the question of why. I mean, collaborations are supposed to be far and few in between. They're supposed to be exclusive. They're supposed to have meaning. They're supposed to, in some way, shape, or form, elevate what it is that the brand is doing, even if it's in regards to using different materials or releasing a new silhouette or maybe jumping into a new realm of like you know what we stand for in terms of morals and stuff like that or and or maybe this is Nike's first introduction into the world of like like Instagram you know what i mean mm, it's like maybe. there's there there're people like um like e-gamers you know what i mean like that's a world that they they're obviously getting into and now they're seeing like there's potential that these micro influencers or well, essentially not a micro-influencer in this case, but influencers somewhat being more impactful than some of the pro athletes that they have that they pay millions of dollars. You know what I mean? And maybe that's just the new that's the new trend. Yeah. You know what I think it is? I think it breaks down those barriers because not everybody's interested in sports. True. You know? Yeah. Like, True. Everybody loves fucking dogs, though. Yeah. Bruh. <laughs> I mean, not... <laughs> Everyone I mean, admires yeah. dogs. Yeah. <laughs> Pause. Everyone... Enjoys dogs company. Dogs company. That's what I meant. Awesome. That is what I meant. I'm gonna put the volume a lot higher. Just on, I'm gonna play that back. I'm gonna play it back right now. Everybody loves fucking dogs, though. <laughs> God, what an episode already. <laughs> all right, all right. Let's move away from this damn dog because uh, it still does not make any damn sense. Okay, to wait, me. no. Before we move on, though, I have just one question. Go. So, speaking upon like collaborations, do you think that the way we look at collabs now versus back then, do you think that they still hold the same value to us as a consumer? I think Bape ruined collaborations for me. <laughs> um, obviously, with uh, with quantity, I mean it. You, it loses its sort of like glisten or gleam or glitter whatever uh however special Sugar and spice and everything <laughs> <laughs> i forgot what i was saying for a second <laughs> you just fucked up my train of thought dude <laughs> literally <laughs> oh my god i wanted to say it's speciality but it's not a word but with quantity <laughs> it's novelty it's the novelty, novelty. there you go <laughs> <laughs> All right, so yes, <laughs> with so many collaborations, the novelty of it it loses its 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 novelty. There, let's let's, let's end it with that. <laughs> right. um, and I think within the world of Nike, obviously, we've known them to have some of the best collaborations and do, to be the pioneers for some of the best collaborations and bring upon names that brands would later follow to collaborate with. But I think nowadays. I take a collaboration with a grain of salt because it's not, it's always, the, the sneak peeks are always out. The previews are, are already out. Nothing's just sort of, here you go, like, this is the newest collaboration and you're just kind of like left in awe. But nowadays you can already form ideas and, 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 and opinions around collaborations before they even hit the shelves. And I think with so many nowadays, even if they're teased or if they're, they never come to fruition, um, there's so many ideas of collaboration that it just makes it hard to appreciate the good ones in this case, at least for myself. I don't know how Nate feels. How do you feel about collaborations now, Nate? Uh, I mean, I don't know. We always talk about collaborations out and how they have to have meaning and shit like that. But, you know, sometimes I just want like two cool brands, you know, like I talk all this shit about like, yeah, you know, authenticity is important, but sometimes I just want something that looks cool, you know? Try, I'm <laughs> down, I'm down with that. Consumerism's lit. Like, <laughs> <laughs> Yo, shout out to the economy yeah. <laughs> going up right yeah. now. Yeah, no, but for real, um, I think it's cool. Like, I don't know, like I admit that, okay, I was wrong. It's okay to like collaborations that don't make sense. Cool. Um, 
Except the beat minion collab. I fucking hate that. Yeah. <laughs> like, that's not okay. That's a good example. That's a good example. Um, but I think like there's room for like playful collaborations like Men's War Dog and Nike. I'm not mad at it. If some kid thinks it's cool, great. Like, you know, like, yeah. I'm not and gonna... we, and let's take it right back to the Uniqlo conversation. The first intention with this collaboration is let's think about the general Nike consumer, not the streetwear mindsetted consumer, not the basketball player, but the normal average, which is more often than not a tourist from some other country going into a major flagship or a, store. Or dad buying Monarchs at Big Five. Dad buying Monarchs is going to purchase a Shiba, Shiba t-shirt. You know what I mean? Like that's, that's bound to happen. But let's talk about collaborations that shouldn't be a thing. Um, let's talk about a collaboration that is in the headlines for not necessarily being a collaboration, but essentially mocking a potential collaboration. Uh, so R- Rastaclot, am I pronouncing that correctly? Yeah. R- Rastaclot. <laughs> Rastaclot. That's a really bad Jamaican <laughs> <laughs> You sounded like a bane from <laughs> We're touching all areas of the world in this episode. <laughs> I'm just highlighting my ethnic, <laughs> ethnic capabilities. <laughs> Let's talk about R- Rastaclot for a second because they're under fire. And I don't even know if under fire is, is the correct term, but under fire for mimicking or I wouldn't even call it. Um, what's it? It's it's not like par- parodying. It's plagiarizing. It's plagiarizing. Sure. I'm so lost with the words today. <laughs> But essentially, that's what they did. Uh, Rastaclot decided to release or at least showcase their, I guess their paracord wristbands. Is that what they are? Yeah. Mel, have you ever they're owned like, one? They're shoelaces. Or they're supposed to be like shoelaces. So really? it's not paracord. It's more oh. of like that, the thick shoelace. Okay. Well, uh, whatever, their sh- whatever their wristbands what are. What a ripoff. <laughs> <laughs> waste of money. <laughs> but yeah, so if you're still wearing wristbands... <laughs> In 2019. <laughs> Shout out to you. Um, but Rastaclot, I mean, it's I've seen them in everything from... Fuck, can you stop laughing? <laughs> you know I have headphones on and I can hear everything, even the slightest laughs. But Rastaclot is a, um, I guess, an accessories company that you'd find in like more of your like malware stores. And they recently released or previewed a... Rasterous band <laughs> that uh, had um, aesthetics of similar to that of like off white. So it included your standard red zip tie. Um, in the branding, it had said, um, well, it, it wasn't it off, off clat. Off cl- cl- <laughs> you, you say this one. Off what? Off clat? Off clat. <laughs> okay, okay, I'm just making sure. So, <laughs> off clat by Rastaclat. <laughs> A huge tongue twister. Um, but essentially what they're under fire for is that they're taking cues. And we saw this in a, uh, I think, a social media post from, not directly from Virgil, right? But from Off-White saying something about um, how they were plagiarizing and taking on taking um, cues from Off-White, hence the, uh, the quotation marks, the red zip tie, all the aesthetics from Off-White. And essentially... Not mocking it, but as you said, Nate, plagiarizing. Uh, people are upset for some reason because why? <laughs> like, why are people upset? Or why is why is Off White upset about something? And I'm just gonna put my my two cents here. But Off White is upset essentially about st- another brand stealing what they had previously stole from someone else. Is that what's going on here? Yeah, you know what's funny <laughs> is uh, I was literally talking to my coworker about this this morning, and he was like, "Yo, did you see that Off White?" Like Rastaclot, like <laughs> yeah, the word is just so funny. To Rast- me. Uh, Rastaclot. <laughs> okay. All right, go ahead. <laughs> um, and I was like, I was like, yeah, I saw that. It's kind of crazy, right? Like, doesn't Virgil just kind of do the same shit just with other brands? Yeah. And uh, you know, and we were talking about it and like for Off White to want to take legal action against this brand. Legal action. Yeah, yeah, legal action, you know. Um, I think that's, I don't know, I think that's kind of a, it's a big step. I get it, you know. Off-White may have taken elements from other brands, but they also popularized these, like this aesthetic, yeah. you know. Um, 
whether you like the brand or admire them or not, they made like that sort of aesthetic popular. So I guess in some way, shape, or form, they have more claim to it. It's it's super inevitable. Yeah. Like if you popularize something to the point where, you know, there's Instagram filters that have your your signature quotation marks. Like, who's to say that no other brand that I mean, I'm sure it's an ode to them. It doesn't say like, "fuck off, white Rastaclot rule." Like it's not it's not in that jest. But I think. The biggest thing, and we kind of talked about this in the American Eagle Outfitters and um, holding the the sneaker pop up, and why a lot of people were upset about that is because certain brands don't want to be associated with other certain brands, you know. True. In this case, and Rastaclot being that of a mallware brand, being that of something that not a lot of people fuck with in this age, maybe in two thousand and. Nine, We're on to you and your shoelace bracelets. <laughs> but now it's not it's not uh, a normal thing. People want the off whites. They want they want the the zip tie. And if somebody sees something based off this malware brand that has the same aesthetic, it lessens the importance of that of off white. And I can see why, as as a Virgil or whoever in off white decided to raise the red flag. But I see the importance of of saying or taking a stand and saying like, okay, we. We know we steal shit, okay? But it's shit that you never even knew about until we became popping. But for somebody to steal something that's currently popping, it's a whole it's kind of like a whole other story in my opinion, right? Because a million people drive by the Glasgow airport to see those four arrows that uh off-white popularized. Yeah. But nobody nobody decided to use it in the aesthetic that off-white used it. Now, Rastaclaw, and I pronounce that super well, Rastaclaw is taking the exact cues from Off-White and using it in the exact same way for the intended purposes of essentially raising um, Rastaclaw's cloud or whatever. Um, so I can understand why why a brand like Off-White would go to the steps of being like, oh, no, nah, like, y'all are getting sued for this shit. Yeah. It I, makes sense. Yeah, I think it's all about context in that, you know, if it's too obvious, then of course you're, you know, you're probably going to catch some flack for it. You know, that's a good point. Like we always talk about this and I think every episode somehow just gets looped in. Even if we're talking about something completely unrelated, we're like, yeah, collaborations. This is a great line. Um, whatever. But, uh, I think that like we always talk about, there's this gray line. There's this actually not a gray line. There's this fine line between, taking inspiration and just outright stealing. You yeah. Know? Yeah. Um, and you had a good point in that, you know, like both of you and I mentioned earlier, off-white appropriate, like re like appropriated these elements, but they weren't super obvious to like everybody, but now like ha- off-white's like an, a household name, exactly. you know, it's like, it's like if Pepsi like tried to rip off Coke like labels, yeah. like you'd be like, "What the no, fuck?" That's like a that's good crazy. Point. You know? That's a good point. I wouldn't say Rossiclot is as high as a Pepsi, but more so like a okay, like a uh, your, like a Fago, <laughs> <laughs> like you your uh, your Shasta Cola, your run of the mill Coca Cola off brand from the gas station in the yes. middle of nowhere. Um, but yeah, it, it makes a lot of sense, and you know, there's always talks about that that fine line that you mentioned and. Um, there are brands that live around that fine line. They create an entire company based off of, of either, you know, parroting another brand. And I wouldn't even say other brands most of the time. It's just parroting popular culture references. Um, Off-White is a popular culture reference. But in the case of being in the same industry, it does kind of um, water down the 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 larger brand mm-hmm. so like if if and i'll use the chinatown market for example if they do um a rip on i don't know like a pink panther or a mickey mouse like essentially they're paying paying homage to them because that the fucking disney corporation is way bigger of a brand than chinatown market now rossiclat and off-white is a little bit different because well they're in the same industry for one mm-hmm. but also because um it's essentially just using them to boost their own brand up so it's a little it's a little tricky but i know a lot of people are upset about it we just saw uh fresh drive which 
I don't even know why they're talking. They just came out of nowhere. <laughs> they came like, out yo, of see in the early 2000s. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, I don't know where they came from, but they just released, um, they put out an Instagram post that said, um, what did it say specifically? It, it said, literally said, fuck off white. I yeah, think. like essentially, like, you yeah, know. The, the bare uh, gist of, of what they were trying to say is like, fuck off white. You guys steal shit. Your designs are from here. Who are you to say that you have to be the uh, streetwear police and and regulate this? Now, Ross Clyde and Fresh Drive sort of going at it against Off White is is a little weird. Um, it's kind of like when you have like SoundCloud rappers who are doing amazing, and then the old head hip hop artists are like, <laughs> "Yo, like, yo, pay homage, man, pay homage." <laughs> like, we started this shit. <laughs> That's literally what it is. So, um, yeah, I mean. It, it, it's gonna happen. It's gonna happen if you're if you're a brand that's killing it. We see it with everything from like uh, like Forever Twenty One, Fashion Nova, things like that. Those brands always rip off the popular popular streetwear brands, and it's somewhat inevitable. So if you if you're gonna be in the mainstream, if you're gonna be in popular culture, it's just bound to happen. Just have those cease and desist ready. <laughs> I can't wait to hand those out. Right. <laughs> For whatever designs we have, uh, okay. that we appropriate. Yeah, <laughs> we're gonna appropriate brands, and then our fans are gonna reappropriate our brands and be like, "No, we originated the reappropriation." Yeah. You have to. We God, we need to get a lawyer. I can learn. <laughs> <laughs> hey, YouTube. All right, let's touch on this last topic because I think this is a very good conversation. Instead of understanding what the future of Shit. I mean, this incorporates a lot of things. Where the future of streetwear is, where the future of retail is, where the future of a lot of the of e-commerce, where the future of a lot of these media publications that we know and love, Hypebeast, High Snobiety. Um, High Snobiety just announced they're going to be sort of linking all these things together, what the future is going to consist of, and link it all into a new, I would call it a marketplace. Yeah? Marketplace. Um, where essentially what they'll be doing is providing context to one-off releases. Uh, when I say context, I mean, as what we were talking about in the Uniqlo topic, is giving that story, that background, that do that you know just do for a lot of these releases for people to fully understand what it takes to release a product. Like it's it's more than just screen printing a T-shirt. There's a uh, a thinking around it. There's a, a marketing plan. There's all these things and elements that we don't get to see as a normal consumer. And I think what High Snobiety does well is they editorialize culture um, in a ver- in a very good way. I think they almost do it better than Hypebeast nowadays, to be honest. They kind of found the niche. I think so too. I think High Snobiety definitely does a good job of, like you said, editorializing yeah. culture. Yeah. They make it more elevated but still digestible you know i think hypebeast for lack of a better term is it's somewhat watered down you know i find myself going there less and less whereas mm-hmm. i kind of gravitate more towards like a high snobiety and uh yeah i think they do a really good job of that and it's interesting to see how they sort of dissect things especially this whole like retail apocalypse that we're going yes. through and how they kind of you know play their chess pieces in this yeah and in this case and let me ask you both a quick question it should be a fairly simple answer knowing um how you guys are going to respond say you guys are influencers right you have a million followers what's the first thing that you do as an influencer with a million followers what do you do um i'm gonna post something and Hopefully get paid for it. There you go. You're yeah. going to capitalize off of those million followers. Sorry if that was kind of that a was a kind of a trick question. question. <laughs> I thought, but yeah, essentially I'm kind of guiding you to it. <laughs> but if you're going to be a cultural influencer, a cultural curator in this case, you're going to find a way to monetize from it. And in this case, High Snobiety is probably one of the largest cultural curators of everything from the arts to photography, streetwear, fashion automobiles, literally everything. And so what they're doing with this is they're basically showing their strengths within a new method of, of, of e-commerce, which is their one-off um, store. Um, I guess how I can imagine it is it's only sold in, in, in a high snobiety web shop. It's not sold anywhere else. 
and there's a larger context or editorial based around it, which is actually pretty interesting. And a combination of what every brand is doing into like one larger scheme. Yeah. Um, I think that High Snobiety being so heavily involved in fashion and streetwear and all those other things, like you said, uh, I mean, they have more than enough know-how exactly. and how to execute uh, something like this. You know, like they understand what streetwear is, what fashion is, and how the business operates. And I think that, you know, this isn't necessarily something that's new to them. Um, it'll just be interesting, of course. Like, I'm interested in what the product's going to look like. And, like, you know, it's it's weird because when I hear high snobiety and I think about, like, clothing, I don't re- necessarily mm. attach... Th- those two things together, like that specific name with like clothing, you know? Um, so it'll be interesting because I know a lot of publications, I know a lot of kind of media companies are trying to branch out into starting like clothing or like streetwear or like capsule collections, you know, they're trying to inhabit that space. So it's, it's always interesting to see what that looks like on paper. There's always a need for the average consumer to rep whatever it is that they're reading, whatever sites that they constantly visit, um, books, music, obviously movies. Um, it's a representation of what their interests are, and it says something about them. If you're wearing a shirt that says "High Beast," if you're wearing a shirt that says "High Snobiety," and you see and you you see somebody else wearing it, you already have a common interest, whether or not you know each other. Um, and I think that's it's really interesting to see and sort of speaking into the future of what a lot of these, you know, media companies, publications are going to do is essentially find a way to sell you some shit. <laughs> um, high somebody is just doing it in a lot fancier way than others, but essentially what they're doing is they're editorializing products that they're going to release in one-off drops and covering all bases for the, 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 the blueprint of a successful streetwear e-commerce store. And, I mean, if that's what the future is, then I'm hyped. But um, it better be affordable. There better not be any sort of uh, waiting. Your your it, it's almost your turn to purchase type shit, and it should be somewhat for every everybody. Um, so, for the most part, I think that's where I stand on it. I think it's I think it's awesome. I'm excited to see what it looks like, but I think that's what the future of of e-commerce should potentially look like. Instead of just going into a web store and buying shit, I'd like to learn a little bit more about who designed it. Mm-hmm. Um, you know who the brands are collaborating in uh, to create this product, but I think it's a it's a good look and it's it's a good sort of translation of what future e-commerce should look like. I don't know what you guys think. Yeah, I agree. You know me, I love storytelling, so yeah, it's always great to hear about what a brand is doing and bridging that gap between consumer and e-commerce and just online. So it would be cool, and also like. If they are bringing in new brands, it would be a, a, a fresher way mm. for us to learn about what these up-and-coming brands are doing and how we can buy more stuff in the future from them. It's a good point, actually, because High Snobiety, High Beast, um, whatever other publications that you you know, you know read on a daily, they do break brands the way that A&Rs break artists. You know what I mean? The way that you know some of the, like, I'm going to use you know YouTube or whatever channels that are like really niche um like uh who could i use a like a no jumper breaking a new soundcloud artist the first thing you're gonna go do is be like what's so special about this guy i'm gonna go listen to his music high snobiety breaks a new brand or a new you know model fashion uh influencer you're like what are they selling or like where can i see their shit might as well all include it all in one and have you know easier access to that product and that's kind of where you go with it. I think that makes sense. I think we're all in agreement to that at least. Yeah, I agree. It makes sense. Just, you know, kind of like a one-stop shop. Yeah. It's, I think not only it's beneficial for everybody, I think both high snobiety is a publication and, and or like e-commerce site and also like the other brand and like the consumer just, it's seamless. It's like efficient. Um, but yeah, I want to see what this fucking product looks like. I know. Right. <laughs> they had, they had, um, at hint at hinted at it uh, previously in the article, sort of detailing the execution of this new this new store but for the most part i know we're all excited and we just want to see the damn product enough talk like let's see the shit mm-hmm. um on that note i think that's a great place to stop i th- 
I know we kind of covered a lot. I know that you guys probably had to change the volume up and down a couple of times because <laughs> we're like screaming and laughing. Um, but I think this was a great episode. And be sure to follow us at No Chance Radio on all social platforms. We're here every fucking Friday for your listening pleasures. And we will catch you on the next one. Peace. Thank you.